Hola, bienvenidos todos. Uh, bienvenidos a Latino Conservation Week's Orgullosamente Outdoors panel. Uh, today's topic is going to be about advocacy afuera. My name is Jose Cabello. I am a volunteer with Latino Outdoors, and my pronouns are they, them, ella. Um, I am coming to you from the ancestral homelands of the We Out people in so-called Arcata, California. Uh, Latino Outdoors is a national community where volunteer leaders inspire, connect, and engage the Latin community in the outdoors. We embrace cultura y familia as part of the outdoor narrative, ensuring our history, heritage, and leadership um, are all valued and represented. We have chapters all over various all over uh, the country, um, and we have various initiatives uh, that center the voices of Latin people. Uh, Latino Conservation Week, uh, Disfrutando y Conservando Nuestra Tierra, is an initiative of the Hispanic Access Foundation. Uh, Latino Conservation Week was created to support the Latina community um, in getting into the outdoors and participating in activities to protect our natural resources. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of having uh, a person who is a, uh, ooh, sorry, uh, today Alejandra uh, Magallon, who is an incredible person who works for an amazing organization, Translatina Coalition. I have the pleasure of uh, being here today with them. So um, Alejandra, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, yes. So my name is Alejandra, Alexandra, Alex, Ale, como ustedes quieran llamarme, uh, Magallon. And I am intersex, so I use my name as pronouns. So, when decirme Ale, Alex, Alexandra, um, how you would just say that is you would just use my name um, throughout the entire conversation. I know it gets a little bit like uh, repetitive, but you will remember my name. <laughs> um, and you will remember somebody that's intersex. But yeah, uh, I am the coordinator of policy and community engagement here at Trans Latinao Coalition. And yes, I am excited to be here today. Thank you, Alexandra, for tuning in with us. I super appreciate you being here. I've been a huge fan and advocate of Translatina Coalition ever since uh, Jenny Set Gutierrez came to my university and talked uh, to us. Uh, it was such a huge inspiration and an incredible opportunity to get to meet her. Um, so, all right, let's get started. Um, Alexandra, can you share a little bit about yourself and what Trans Latina Coalition is all about? Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I am, uh, where to start? I come from Washington State. I, I never thought that I would get involved with policy or with advocacy or anything related to that. I actually wanted to be like in fashion um, and in like magazines and like, you know, on TV, I wanted to be a designer. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards for me. Um, I, through transphobia, um, I lost the career that I had worked uh, for 10 years in. And um, that got me into advocacy. And it led me to come from Washington State all the way here to Los Angeles, California because everyone does advocacy here in California. And um, yeah, it led me to Translatino Coalition, which I am now a part of. Um, what we do here at Translatino Coalition is we do a multitude of different things. 
Um, we're a nonprofit organization. We're a national organization. And we support uh, trans Latinal people um, across the nation, but more specifically here in Los Angeles and Los Angeles County. Um, and we're trying to expand that. Um, but we do, we offer assistance with uh, food. So we have daily meals. People can come in and get food here. Um, and they're able to access donations. We get donations, the clothing closet um, that we have here. So people are able to, to access the donations. Um, and we also have a lot of uh, case management services. Um, so we have prep um, case management. We have housing um, case management services. Um, and we have senior um, case management services. So we do a little bit of everything. And um, But more specifically, my role is to um, talk to legislature, to talk about policies, to talk, be a stakeholder in our community um, and make sure that we are getting our rights. So my role currently is making sure that we have um, funding we that we pass through legislature that we're asking um, our senators or assembly members um, those who have a power are in a position of power to change things um, are able to do so so um, that is what I do on a regular basis um, and yeah wow that all sounds incredible um, thank you so much for sharing that Alexandra um, and we are also going to be joined by another person today. Um, they are the advisory board chair of Latino Outdoors, um, and their name is Claudia, Claudia Pinedo Tibbs. Hi, hola. Um, yeah. so great to be here with you both during Latino Conservation Week. Hi, Claudia. Uh, would you Hi. mind introducing uh, yourself? I do not mind at all. So again, um, my name is Claudia Pineda Tibbs. My pronouns are they, them, or ella en español. And as Jose mentioned, I am the advisory chair for Latino Outdoors. I also am the sustainability program manager at Monterey Bay Aquarium. And um, yeah, I also have other hats in our community as the Parks Commissioner for our county, um, our Beautification and National and Natural Resources Commission for my city, um, as well as Hispanic Access Foundation's Ocean Advisory Council. So I like to keep busy so that I stay out of trouble. <laughs> Excellent. Um, our next question, uh, Alexandra, you already kind of touched on this. Um, so I guess I can maybe shift this question more towards Claudia for the moment, but also Alexandra, feel free to, to share more if you, uh, as I ask the question, maybe if it brings something else up. Um, so since it's Latino Conservation Week, we're encouraging friends, partners, allies, and accomplices to talk about advocacy afuera and the importance of advocacy and storytelling um, in community. Can you tell us about a kind of advocacy or the, the type of advocacy that you do in your work and why it's important? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really love this question because I feel as though it is so genuine and authentic to 
our own lived experiences. So um, holding multiple identities, right? As a Latina person, as a queer person, as somebody who falls outside of the gender binary, as somebody who is neurodiverse, um, I feel like it's very important for me to be authentic and to share those parts of my identity so that others can see themselves in me and so that I can also see myself and others who are part of that conservation narrative and um, be able to look beyond, um, you know, cis, hetero, neurotypical folks who, um, who are also doing great things, but representation matters. And having that representation is so key and so critical so that we have the opportunity to see ourselves, to dream big, and to imagine the opportunities that we have available to us. Um, and I feel as though there's just a lot to be said about bringing in those different perspectives, especially as somebody who has autism. And when I think about access, when I think about um, even conservation messages, where are the conservation messages that I might be developing at my work that because I have had to navigate a neurotypical world, mm. how can I shift my mindset so that my conservation messages are more inclusive? Um, and so I would say like an example to that is something like, um, you know, what can you do to reduce your usage of single use plastics? Because not only is it Latino Conservation Week, it's also Plastic Free July. So there's so much happening this month. And something like single-use plastics is a huge issue in the environment. And if I were to say, well, you know, just give up all your single-use plastic, that's not being inclusive. I'm not taking into consideration the fact that there might be some people who depend on straws in order to... Um, consume beverages. I'm also not considering that for some folks like myself, creating your own healthy meal might come with some plastic. Um, you know, doing things like meal kits really remove barriers for folks like myself who otherwise might not have as much of a nutritious meal because even the thought and the idea of making something from scratch feels exhausting. Um, so there's lots of ways to bring in those mul multiple marginalized identities so that conservation can be much more inclusive than what we have heard for years based off of that kind of mass, what does a conservationist look like? And it's usually this like lone white man on top of a mountain right? Like, I care about the environment. And, um, and I think there's just so many more representative identities, especially now. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to continue to share that so that we can have um, a diversity of conservation messages that touch upon various lived experiences. Awesome. Thank you, Claudia, for sharing. Um, Alexandra, you mentioned some of the uh, programs and things that Translatina Trans Coalition does. Um, can you tell us about um, like why it's important to have some of those programs that you all offer? Yeah, um, 
definitely. So, um, the work that we do here um, is definitely life-changing. Um, we assist people that are coming from um, different countries um, that literally just, like, step into the United States that have no money, no job, no food, no clothing, no nothing, no resources. And what we do here is we um, we get them connected to resources. We get them connected to food. We get them connected to clothing. We get them connected to everything that there is available. And we also um, assist them. So not only do we have a drop-in center um, and a computer lab for people to use, we also have a legal services department. And our legal services department assists um, our clients with with their legal services needs. Um, so that that's just like one way that we are impactful on a micro level. I know it's not micro, but it's like an, on a micro individual level. But mm -hmm. on a macro level, um, the way that we're impactful is we're we're literally changing the status quo. We're here making sure that our voices are heard um, for the Trans Latino community. Um, and um, we're trying to be intentional and impactful in the way that we do that. We're, we're, we're listening. We're setting up community advisory boards. Um, we're setting up, not only is it important to serve, it's important to educate as we're serving. So I love that you touched on on the like, how are we, you know, providing advocacy? We don't just, you know, be like, here, these are the resources, and that's it. We're like, here, these are the resources, but also, this is what you can do to support the next person, right? So, this is how you can learn about advocacy. Here is how you can learn about council meetings. Here is how you can know about city meetings. Here is how you can learn about policies that affect you. Here is how you can learn about. Um, the budget process. Here's how you can learn about bills, like, and that's what we we do. And we also invite people to our rallies. You know, you we invite them. Um, when you were talking about Latinos outdoors, and I'm like, you know, that's one of the things that we do do when we do protests. <laughs> we definitely go and we definitely are in parks and we're definitely out in nature and feeling the wind and feeling the sun and feeling that energy and at the same time as we're um you know feeding into other people's cups we're feeding into ours and um i think that is it's beautiful we um we don't realize right we're so in the movement sometimes that we don't stop and think like wow you know, I'm really here making a difference. I'm here outside. If I look up, it's the sun. If I look at the galaxy, you know, I'm out in nature. So um, those are the ways that we um, provide advocacy and advocacy training and our advocacy efforts um, and continuing to be um, the voice of the trans Latino community, but also to allowing them to learn how to find their voice. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and I want to go back and emphasize something that you mentioned is that the services that you're providing are life changing. Like I really want that to sink into people is because sometimes it's easy to get like stuck on 
like when fighting for gay rights, right? Like marriage equality, like, yes, that's great. But it's like until the most marginalized people in our community are safe and protected, uh, none of us are. Um, so I think the work that you all do and the types of services that you provide are incredible because as you said, they're life changing. Not only are you offering services to people who are, you know, trans, um, are queer identified, but, um, sometimes people just have nowhere else to go. And, um, again, I just want to emphasize that, that it, these are, are life changing services and um, just kind of want to challenge um, folks who are allies to just kind of go a step above that and be accomplices and attend those rallies that you were mentioning, Alexandra, as to uh, one of the best ways to advocate and to support um, queer and trans people in our community is to actually show up for us and to show up to these rallies that you all are hosting. Um, so again, just thank you very much for sharing that. Um, <laughs> our, uh, next question. Um, so we have, um, a storytelling program with Latino tours called Yo Cuento, uh, which, you know, translate like literal, literal translation being I count or I matter. I tell a story. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of storytelling, uh, when talking about advocacy? Um, Alexander or Claudia, whoever wants to chime in. I can take it, yeah. Um, you never know like what policy will come out of storytelling. Um, people usually don't want to tell you their story, but it's like, I'm like, no, like, tell me your story and tell me all of your story. And they're like, but you're gonna judge me. I'm like, I, I don't have any reason or need or want to judge you. I know what judging is like. We know what judging is like. We're judged on a regular basis by mm -hmm. how we speak, how we look, how we act. Like, there's no reason for that. So I think just allowing people the space um, to be open and to decirlo todo porque tenemos una maña en esta comunidad y es que cállate, cállate, uh -huh. no digas, cállate, no hables, cállate, no me hagas ver mal, cállate, like, you know, that shame. Yeah. And um, it's important that we not be uh, ashamed of our lived experiences, of our um, trauma, of the things that we have gone through, of the things that continuously affect us. Um, so storytelling, um, I can just like, just talking about this storytelling yesterday. It was brought into a meeting um, because one of the members, um, talking about policy, right? Um, <laughs> one of the members needed to draft a letter for a council meeting. And, and, and she's like, I don't want to say this because I don't feel like it's relevant. And I'm like, no, like, well, first of all, why do you not feel like it's relevant? Mm. It's like it's personal. I'm like, no, this is this is this is about you. This is about who you are. Um, and um, so we started to like deconstruct it. I'm like, well, why happened? Why did it happen? Can you tell me more? Can you tell me how it felt? Why did it feel? Can you tell me what led you to homelessness? Okay, do you feel comfortable talking about homelessness? No, I'm not homeless because 
um, I can still use an address. I'm like, okay, so let's talk about that shame. So in that storytelling process, mm-hmm. you allow yourself to deconstruct all of these things that we have created and the notions and the ideas and the 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 restrictors, um, and then you start to break away. You start to like remove it, and then it is no longer a part of you. It is just something that happens. So. Mm-hmm. Or not a part of you because it can be affect how you move and depending on your trauma, right? But it is no longer something that is holding you down. It is something that you can start to find access points. So I think storytelling is, um, for me at least, has been life saving um, because I have had to tell my story um, of when I was assaulted, raped. Um, and left out in the study of Hollywood for dad. Um, And I've had to continuously tell my story. Um, I had to continuously tell my story because the police didn't believe me. The police thought I was just another trans person that was drunk and intoxicated in Hollywood, except for that's what they said. And when they found out that I actually work in advocacy and I actually had to like pull everything out of my heart pull everything out of my being, pull everything out of my learned career path to advocate just to survive, that storytelling was the thing that kept me going, even when I didn't want to keep going. So for me, storytelling is much more than storytelling. It's what, where we are. It's the universe. It's who we are. It's our past. It's our present. It's our future. Thank you, Alexandra. I appreciate those words. Um, Appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and sharing your story. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Um, I definitely agree with you. I feel like storytelling um, is is life changing. Um, I feel like there's lots of um, you know, lots of adversity that I've been through that uh, I kind of just keep to myself, you know, but it's not until I'm able to find a person who I trust, you know, like a best friend or, you know, a family member that I'm really close to, who when I finally am, get the opportunity to just kind of express how I'm really feeling, the words just come out, right? It just, it, it's like that's the first step towards healing is being able to actually say those words out loud. Um, There's been things like even recently till today, like things that I've never really mentioned to, uh, to many of my closest friends. And then the minute I've said it, I was just like, couldn't even believe like I, I said it, but it was out there and yeah, it's, it's, storytelling can definitely be the first step towards healing and and healing isn't linear right it's like um it's constant it's it's gonna keep happening um so yeah thank you um Claudia, do you have anything wow um i echo what you said jose about thanking um alejandra for those 
that lived experience and that testimony. And um, I, I also feel as though there's something really beautiful about storytelling and the fact that it's ingrained in our culture. Um, you know, the stories that you would hear from your elders, the stories that they heard from their elders and that were passed on to our family members. And definitely what you said as well in terms of how stories allow you to heal. And in therapy, that's what you do. You share your story. You talk about a particular issue. Um, you know, that's what your therapist will ask. Like, tell me about blank. Or what is the story that you're telling yourself right now? Um, you know, and that's that's coming to terms with trauma. It's coming to terms with, um, you know, events that happened in your past. And it is a healing process that is very personal and it is a very vulnerable place to be. And I do feel as though um, stories kind of talking about advocacy are also very important to talk about when you're doing things like um, lobbying, you know, you are a constituent, being able to share your story in a timely manner, <laughs> but, you know, sharing why you're here to talk to your representative um, and to advocate for a particular issue. And, and that storytelling is so motivating and so important compared to something like sending an email form or doing something that is like another constituent checking of the box, right? But when you have an opportunity to do those things like lobby and to talk and to share your story and to be vulnerable, um, that's so powerful. And I think that's what makes this week, um, you know, Latino Conservation Week so unique is that we're able to tell those stories, we're able to share those stories in a way that feels authentic to us. And, you know, the, the good times and the bad times, the bad times when you've been the only person of color or the good times where you, like with Latino Outdoors, got to be with 60 other people who shared your same Pantone, if not a little bit lighter, a little bit darker. and you know, those stories that you share around um, a particular identity are very moving and powerful and, and echoing again what I heard, um, it can fill your cup. And having those opportunities to fill your cup is what keeps us moving and going to do this work. So it's um, storytelling is just, it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. Awesome, thank you, Claudia. Um, this next question is, um, a lot of people who are watching or will watch this, um, who may be new to advocacy, um, how do you define advocacy and what are some examples of how we can advocate for issues, uh, we, we, uh, care deeply about? Well, Alejandra is, um, I feel like, you know, that's, that's the expert here. So I'll, I'll chime in with my like, <laughs> very, um, like, 
baby advocate <laughs> um, information. And advocacy is extremely important because we have the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, that's very different compared to some of our home countries where we can't do those things or we weren't allowed to do those things. As somebody who um, was born to parents from El Salvador who immigrated into this country, um, advocacy isn't something that you were able to do. I mean, it it was unheard of. And um, if you did it, there were consequences to you and to your family. So being in a country where we are able to advocate for the things we believe in, the, for um, universal values of having love and shelter, um, that's, that's important for us because as you beautifully put it, Jose, earlier, you know, if we aren't addressing the needs of the most vulnerable and the most marginalized, then we're not really helping our society. Um, and so I think advocacy continues to be something so important that I'm seeing less people my age do and seeing a lot younger people do. So these are people in their like teens and their early 20s who are advocating, who are saying like, I'm done. I'm not waiting for anybody to step up. I'm going to step up. And I think that's amazing because those are all amazing examples of people who are inspiring the future generation. So we're gonna have advocates way younger who are recognizing that they are inheriting this planet and that they want to have a say in what, who, like who gets to thrive, everybody, um, what it looks like, hopefully still with green spaces, right? To mitigate the impacts of climate change um, <laughs> and also access, accessibility for people to enjoy nature and to connect with nature. But to me, advocacy is just something that, you, it's almost like the switch turns on and you like, oh my gosh, have, why haven't I been doing this for, for longer? Um, and sometimes it's just having somebody scaffold that for you and to kind of, uh, walk alongside you and like, so here's what you do. Um, but a lot of times it's also just saying like, I'm tired of X or I'm tired of somebody not doing something about it. And somebody saying, so why don't you do something about it? And um, it's finding that will within yourself to be the change. Uh, <clears throat> I never wanted to be an advocate <laughs> because being an advocate, um, first you have to be vulnerable to accept that something is not sitting well or sitting right with you. Mm -hmm. And once you accept it, then you come to the realization that you're either going to continue to allow it to happen where you're going to encontrar las ganas, encontrar el, la fuerza para pararlo. And for me, advocacy is being vulnerable and finding that energy, that power, that strength in yourself. Like you kind of just said, Claudia, like, because you have, it has to resonate with you. 
because you, I don't know if, if, if there was ever a time where you were like, <gasps> you were an experience and you were just kind of like, it took your breath away and not in a good way. You were just like, <gasps> like frozen. And you're like, later, dices, you hubiera hecho algo porque no hice nada. Like, y, y te vas con ese remordimiento para la casa que no hiciste nada. Pero you think, like, what could I have done? I didn't know, you know? And now, for me, every time I feel that way, I'm like, I go into, like, my, my, my mode. I'm like, can I do anything? Am I able to do anything? Am I able to assist? Do they know that they can do something? Do they not know? I'm going to voice it. And it's up to them to decide whether they want to advocate for themselves. Or um, if not, then I can set up or I can sit in or I can talk or I can guide them so they can be their own advocate. Mm-hmm. The last thing that I want to do is advocate for somebody when they don't want me to advocate for them. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of willpower to want to advocate for yourself or have others advocate for you. Um because sometimes you're not ready to face um, all of that energy that comes with the advocacy or all of that, you know, backlash that comes with advocacy. Um, so advocacy can be anything from, you know, sending a letter to the city official, to the mayor, to the governor, to the assembly member, to the senator, to anyone in power, sending a letter to the teacher. I wasn't appreciative of how you treated my child. Let's start there. Because so many of our children are treated indifferently and treated so unkindly and treated so wrong on a regular basis in la escuela. Ahí es el principio de todo. Dejamos que, que la persona haga lo que quiera porque ellos, they're the professionals. And in reality, it's like, you know, they're professional, but they're human, and humans make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It is our duty to continue to elevate our Latino future, and that's our youth. And so how do you do that but being more involved? No me pareció que el teacher hizo esto. No me pareció que, que me hicieron X cosa. Then I have to be present, and I have to build up that energy to do that. Um, and some people don't have that. And... Some people do. For those that do, I invite you to, you know, get more connected. I invite you to get more involved. Um, if you want, you could, you know, come and volunteer for the Tanazotina Coalition. <laughs> <laughs> and we do. We do do phone calls. We send emails. We do all of that kind of stuff. If you don't know, it's okay. Don't worry. We will show you how to do it. If you don't know how to pick up that phone call, don't worry, we'll put them on speaker, we'll dial the one eight hundred number and then we'll call your representative. No te gustó como te trataron en el en el um in City Hall, don't worry about it. We can go talk to somebody about this. This is making sure that we as Latinos don't allow people to continue to take over and and and, and do whatever they want with us. It's just setting up our future generations for a better life. We're not being destructive. We're not being um, problematic. We're not being any way and just being treated how we need to be treated. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes I think like we just get this like, callate, no digas nada. Callate, don't say anything that we just did. Nos callamos y no decimos nada. 
So that's, I think, what I, I would like to say about advocacy. Yeah, um, I like what you said, Alexandra, because um, I used to be that kind of person, and sometimes I still can be, you know, it's like, en veces me da mucha pena, right? Like, I don't, like, algo me está pasando, and no, like, no quiero decir nada because I don't want to cause any trouble, I don't want to cause a scene, but in my heart, I know that I was, like, disrespected or someone who's with me is being disrespected. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of safety because you just don't know how someone's going to react to you defending yourself or speaking up for yourself. Um, but I'm like challenging myself uh, a little, you know, whenever I am in a situation where um, I need to advocate for myself, uh, the key word being advocate, you know, um, whenever I'm in a situation like that, I try to be like, you know, I, I shouldn't be afraid, you know, because, hey, I, I like, I have to check in with myself and be like, I, I don't like the way that felt, you know, and like, I have to say something because if I don't, it's going to keep happening again and again and again and again, and it's not going to stop. Um, so to me, like advocacy is just, it starts with finding your own voice first. Like, and if you need help, you know, hopefully there's someone in your community, someone who's close to you that can help you find that voice. And I feel like for me, that was my best friend. Um, who helped me find that voice within myself, who he knew it was there, and he helped bring that out of me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it starts with like finding your voice and then helping others find their voice as well, um, I think is, yeah, how advocacy should work, right? <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so since we talked a little bit about storytelling and, um, I kind of want to, uh, send it back to you, Alexandra. So in regards to storytelling, Trans Latina Coalition recently premiered a documentary series highlighting 25 short stories called Trans Latina Migrations, Life, Love, and Triumphs. Can you tell us about this series? why it was created, and what you hope people will get from it. Yeah, definitely. So um, this series is to highlight the lives of the people that are here today. A lot of the people in, in, in the series are um, advocates, are activists, are in your community, are part of the movement, but also our survivors are here, are arriving, and they're doing it. And um, it is to raise awareness, right, of the struggle that is um, being a trans Latina immigrant um, or trans Latino immigrant. Like that's the, it's it's for you to see that. Uh, it's for also for us to see that to for us to see that we have a voice too because many times it's it's other speak other people speaking for us about our lives but it's not 
oneself speaking about your life, you know, to the broader people. And I think we get used to that. So um, that is what this is for. It's to raise awareness. It's to raise um, visibility. It's to raise funds. If you can, go donate. Donate to the Sans Latinao Coalition on the website. You're able to do that. Um, if it moves you, if you have the resources to do that, um, if you don't have the time to, to volunteer, if you don't have the time to do that, you can also um, get involved in many different ways. You can donate clothing. Um, if you're part of a larger business organization, you can donate items um, and you can also get a tax write-off for that. So um, that was created to highlight the stories of the very people that we serve here and also the people that make up the organization. So we do invite you to go look at the series and um, share them, share them so people can, can see them. Um, but that's, that's what they're for. Awesome, thank you. Um, and where can people watch the docu-series? So um, you go onto the uh, website and it'll, t it'll take you to the link. And then you're able to click on the link and then you're able to um, uh, watch it from there. Okay, awesome. Uh, cool. Uh, so part of being an advocate, uh, whether it's for uh, LGBTQ plus rights, protection of public lands or both, is making work sustainable. Um, for example, I like to walk to the Redwoods, like myself, <laughs> I like to go hiking. Um, how do you practice self-care so you can continue your important work? That's so many ways to answer that question. And I think, you know, it just depends on what you feel you need when you're checking in with yourself? And what does my body need? Does it need to just rest? Is my brain saying that I should be doing something, right? Because I'm seeing how a bunch of people are out um, doing like physical activities, but my body is saying that I'm physically exhausted and I need to take a break, taking a nap, having a day during the weekend just to relax. Um, maybe it's listening to your favorite song. Maybe it's catching up with your best friend. Um, whatever it is that's going to give you the opportunity to feel rejuvenated and rested and like you're ready to continue the work, I think is, um, you know, for me, different ways that I practice self-care. And um, yeah, there's, there's no wrong way to do it except not doing it. Not doing it is wrong. <laughs> you definitely need to make sure that you're doing it so that there's um, less of that burnout, less of that like kind of feeling as though there's that hopelessness or feeling jaded or like amargada or amargado that you, that nobody, nobody sees the struggle, right? Um, so I think those are all just different ways to practice that have worked for me and um, just, again, checking in and asking myself, what do I need right now? Hmm. 
for me, I think it depends if it's self-care or aftercare. Aftercare can be more intense than self-care. Um, for self-care, it's listening to my body. And what I mean with that is, ¿Qué se me está antojando? Mis ojos, ¿qué me están pidiendo? Dormir or being awake. Mi cuerpo, mis labios, mi, mi, mi boca, ¿me está pidiendo agua? Is it dry? My senses, ¿cómo me estoy sintiendo? ¿Me siento fría, fría frío? ¿Qué es lo que siento? Mi, mi espalda, tengo, ¿tengo dolor, no tengo dolor? Um, ¿Qué se me está antojando? Um, also to like voicing it, saying it. Self-care is, I don't feel comfortable with that. Or, mm. hold on, let's slow down, it's too fast for me. Or, give me a minute, I need to step back. This is causing something for me. And I need to go take care of myself. Mm. I'll be right back. I just need to go do that first. It's stepping away knowing when to step away and knowing when to say, I don't have to react. I don't have to respond. I can just sit with it and I can just feel it. Um, and that's what self-care for me looks like. Aftercare, it depends. <laughs> How much did you elevate me or, you know, <laughs> activate me or bring me down? It means like catching my breath. And what I mean by that is like, that was too much. I need to breathe. Or that was too much. My body's tensing. That was too much. I need to like go. Or you know what? After this meeting, it was, it was too triggering or too traumatizing. Let me go get a drink um, if I have to. If not, then like, can I go take a walk in the park? Can I go feel? Can I go touch the plants? Can I, what does it for me? Do I need to look at the tree? Do I need to feel the air, the wind? Do I need a massage? Um, because I was just so activated and tense. So for me, it's like learning to be in my body and understand that, um, that it's not going to last forever and that I need to pay attention to me. Hmm. Awesome. Um, this next question, at least for me, it kind of coincides with talking about um, self-care. Um, do you have a favorite place outdoors that brings you healing and peace? Um, I think for me, it, it it's the outdoors and self-care that kind of blends together because uh, there are some hot tubs that are out here that are pretty close to my house. And it's outdoors. It's really cute. It's like private. You'll get your own little private space and you're outside. Um, so I like to soak in there for a little bit and yeah, just kind of like unplug for an hour and take a soak. So um, other than that, I guess, like maybe going to the beach, um, 
I like to just kind of sit there and listen listen to the waves crash. Um, that's probably like a place that brings me healing is the ocean and or just being in water. Um, but yeah, what are some of uh, your favorite places? Okay. Um, for me, um, my watch, so I'm from Washington State, and pine trees, like, that, like, if it has, like, anywhere mountainy, like, the mountains, like, the rainforest, like, stuff like that, that, like, really, really, like, misensera. <laughs> but um, <laughs> out here, I literally just go to any park, and I just, like, sit on a bench. I don't have to do any walking, especially if you have accessibility needs and, and you know, not a lot of trails are very accessible here. So um, I sit down and I like breathe the wind that's touching the leaves and the greenery and how it smells. And I allow those senses to just kind of kick in and and the mountainesque, the, the greenery is what does it for me. So for me, like the the office is filled with plants. Just in case I can't, I'll just touch one of my plantitas. I rub <laughs> it. I'm like, I love you. Te quiero mucho. So I can share that love too. I like that. <laughs> I love that. I also, I feel like I could just hear you talk about everything because the way you describe things, I'm like, oh, it just sounds so nice. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, um, yeah, the ocean for sure. I'm very fortunate, very lucky to live just a couple blocks from the ocean and I connect with it every day, part of my job. And one of the most beautiful places that I love to visit, which I have not visited in a long time because it's um, kind of being loved to death right now is Point Lobos State Park. And it's this beautiful state park, um, kind of on your way to Big Sur. And it is just like kind of witchy in a way because you have these pine trees and you have the lichen that's hanging. And then you'll see the peaks of like this turquoise of the ocean and like beautiful granite rocks. Um, and there's all, there's almost like these like natural windows in a way where you will find like you'll just peek out and like the, the window of this beautiful view so i really love to go there to me that's a really 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 special place um and basically anywhere in a forest feels really special to me too um having grown up in a city and i grew up in southgate um, california we we didn't really have like a lot of green spaces. Um, so whenever I would go to a place where there were like multiple trees, I'm like, oh my God, this is a forest. And it just felt very different. And it felt um, like something that I just picked up in a book. Um, so ocean, trees, that's um, to me what makes, what makes nature and the outdoors really like extra special. Thank you. Um, 
Alrighty, so before we close it out, um, I have one more question for Alexandra. Um, what's coming up for Trans Latina Coalition? Uh, what are you working on and what would you like the community to know um, about the work that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of stuff happening at the Latino Coalition. Each department has their own thing going on. So um, yeah, but what we're getting ready to do is, um, at, at least in the policy department, we have our community advisory board that is uh, made up of the um, clients of the Latino Coalition. We're getting them educated and knowledgeable on all of the things that affect uh, the community and also their trainings. Um, we invite people to get involved in um, in advocacy efforts, whether that be rallying, whether that be um, getting connected with us to do some phone banking, or getting connected with us to do um, any uh, emails um, or support letter writing stuff. So that's what we're really focusing on. We're also going to be, I mean, coming up in coming up soon, I mean, coming up soon because we're, we're already going to start the planning of Garras, the fashion show, like I'm thinking ahead, like mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. So we do invite you to uh, to follow um, and like and subscribe to all of the Trans Latino Coalition social media um, pages. That way you can stay connected in any events that are happening um, and that you can get involved. And if you yourself identify as transgender, gender nonconforming, or intersex, wherever you are, we invite you to continuously like try and look and see and get connected in any way because we do have a lot of different things going on and we are a national organization. So, yeah, that's um, what I can think of off the top of my head. Get more involved. Awesome. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, muchas gracias to both of you. I truly appreciate uh, you both taking time out of your day to be on this panel. Um, and it has uh, truthfully been a dream come true to finally get to collaborate with Trans Latina Coalition. Um, I've been following you all for many, many years now, and I think the work that you do is incredible and super important. Um, so yeah, uh, we're gonna keep continuing celebrating and uplifting voices of trans people and queer people of color uh, through Advocacy Afuera uh, throughout Latino Conservation Week. Um, and you are all gonna be at a Latino Conservation Week event this Saturday, the 23rd, right? Um, at LA Historic Park, I believe. Um, so definitely stop by LA Historic Park if you're in the Los Angeles area, July 23rd. Um, do you know what time, Alexandra? No? Christian? <laughs> um, so that's happening. I'm sure you can check on to the Latino Outdoors um, uh, page and it'll tell you. Oh, 10, 10 to 2. Thank you, Christian. Uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. LA Historic Park this Saturday, July 23rd. Um, and then if you, um, yeah, anyways, sorry. I'm just rambling at this point. Um, but yeah, again, just thank you so much for being on this panel, uh, both of you. And I truly appreciate you both. It has been a pleasure uh, talking, getting vulnerable. And I just uh, hope that we can keep the conversations going.
So thank you so much. Bye. Thank you.